Amen. I didn't, I didn't know Seth was watching until just now. We all learned that together. <laughs> learned that together. So now I'm a little more nervous than I was before I started. Uh, it's good to be with you guys. Listen, I, I love that last song where it, it just continues to repeat, I sought the Lord and he heard and he answered. And I, I know y'all are singing that out loud today after I saw the Florida kicker miss the field goal last night. Y'all were seeking the Lord. <laughs> he missed it. And the Hogs, thank, thankfully, finally got that win. It's, it's so good to be with you guys uh, today. I, I love this church. I love your pastors. Uh, I love being around you guys. Uh, last time I was here, uh, I realized, man, I got a lot of friends, a lot of people I've known for a long time that come to this church. Most importantly, though, I love what God is doing in this church. I love to get to come to different New Life churches, especially ones like Pastor Seth. He's, he's just one of my closest friends. And to see what God is doing in your midst, man, I just, I love it. And it's a, a, truly an honor to be here with you today. My advice for you is this, um, that as the Lord continues to move in this place, uh, I pray that you would stay humble, that you would stay submitted to him, that you would stay obedient to him, that you would stay close to him, knowing that it's all him who's doing it. And God will continue to do amazing things amongst this church. And I can't wait to see how he continues to move. The title of the message today is Jesus is More Than Enough. Jesus is More Than Enough. I tried to come up with like a Pastor Seth Tomboli title, but I couldn't. <laughs> like, I know he gets out there. Uh, he, he gets some creative uh, titles. My, mine is as straightforward as you're going to get. Uh, but I do truly believe that Jesus is more than enough. And today we're going to be reading in Colossians chapter 1. Verses 15 through 20. Uh, we're going to flip through quite a few pages of the Bible today, so I, I hope you like the word uh, because we're going to be all over today. But we're going to kind of center around Colossians. It says this. It says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Let, let's pray this morning. God, we love you and we are here for you. God, let us cast aside any distractions that may be happening. God, let us put away maybe the worries and the difficulties of the week we may have been experiencing and let us fix our eyes on you and on you alone because you are more than enough. In Jesus' name I pray, everybody said, amen. 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 Well, there's a, there's a phrase that I have become quite used to using in life as a parent. <laughs> All the parents are like, uh-oh. <laughs> you know, I was like, ooh. Uh, it's, it's this phrase like, I've had enough. <laughs> I don't know if you're like one of those parents where like you've been pushed to the brink and you're just like, listen, I've had enough. We've been, we have enough physically. Like we have four kids. I've had too many kids. <laughs> like, there's plenty of times where I'm like, this is more than I can handle on my own, right? But just with any kind of parenting, you're going to have these situations where, you know, you find yourself saying, listen, I've had enough. Maybe mentally, emotionally, you're just, you're, you're at the end of, of kind of what you're able to do, and you're like, I have had enough. Th this happened to me recently. 
we were going uh, during fall break. We were taking up a, a trip to God's country, Branson, Missouri. We were going up to Branson. Uh, I can tell you the Lord was not in Silver Dollar City that day. <laughs> it was, uh, everybody in Arkansas and Missouri was there. It was, it was insane. Uh, but on the way up there, uh, usually we would have some sort of like little movie screens or my son has a switch and maybe they'd be on their electronics, you know, just to make the time pass. And for whatever reason, uh, we decided we weren't going to take them <laughs> on this trip, which was a really poor parenting decision on our part. And so, you know, all the usual, are we there yet? I'm so bored. And they're fighting with each other. And so at one point, they're trying to figure out what are they going to do? How are they going to pass this time, you know? And uh, so they're going, and they're, the volume in my car, though, is slowly getting louder and louder, right? So much so that I can't even think. I'm having trouble, like, drive, like, focusing on the road because it's so loud. And in a moment of the flesh, I just, I blurted out. I've had enough. <laughs> like, I just yelled at the top of my lungs, like just, and it got, you know, it got real quiet. <laughs> and they're like, uh-oh, like we've pushed dad too, too far. And I just, I couldn't take it anymore. I was just, that is enough. And in a different way, though, I believe we can have the same take on our relationship with God. Not that we've had enough or where we've been too much and we're giving up on it. That's not what I mean today. But I do think sometimes we can be so co- comfortable in our relationship with God, that we begin to walk in his presence, we get to experience him, but we get to a point where we're comfortable and we're saying, yeah, that's enough. Like, I'm good. I I get this, like, status quo where I'm like, man, I'm good. I'm comfortable where I'm at. I'm comfortable with where God has me in my life. We have a relationship with him, and then we settled simply just for a piece or a part of the fullness that God would really have for us. And if we don't embrace the fullness of God, you're going to be vulnerable in your walk with him. Like if you don't embrace everything that God has for you, if you get comfortable, if you settle in your relationship with him and you, you just, you're okay with just enough, you're going to be vulnerable. And that's actually uh, part of what's happening in, in Colossae as Paul is writing this. So he writes this beautiful poem about Christ in chapter 1. Then he, he tells us what the problem is. And so before we can look at Colossians 1, we need to flip, turn your page, turn page 1 over, hit your little arrow, Colossians chapter 2, to really see what is Paul speaking into as he's writing this. And there's really three things that I see that he's trying to address. And this will happen to us if we settle for like a just enough version of our relationship with God. The first thing that you see is in verse 8. And, and really what this is, is we begin to trust in human wisdom and tradition over God's word. Like, when, I, when, I'm just, when I'm just in it just enough, I'm going to put my faith and my trust in my own wisdom or that of other people. Colossians 2, 8, it says, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. If we don't see the enormity of Christ, if we don't see Christ as more than enough, we start to believe human tradition and truth over his word. We start to listen to the world's opinions over God's truth. And it's so interesting to see how Paul describes human philosophy. He uses two words in this passage. He said that they were hollow and they're deceptive. If we follow after this world's wisdom, we will be deceived into something that is not God's plan for our lives. And when we get to the end of it, you know what? It's empty. It's hollow, 
right? There's no substance there. There's nothing godly there. There's nothing fruitful for our lives. They are deceptive and they are hollow. The second thing we see in verse 16 and 17, it says this. It says, therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival or a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. The, the second thing we see here is that we follow shadows. You know, shadows give the appearance of something, but no substance. And it's so interesting because uh, these people at this time, they, they were going to, we'll talk about it later, but they, they begin to mix some like Jewish thought, right, which was very works-based into their following after Jesus. And so that's why it lists all of these like things that you were doing. He's saying, no, no, those were just a shadow of things that were to come. The reality is in Christ. So don't put all your hope in all of these like religious things that you can do. Let's put our hope and our faith in Jesus and in him alone. The third thing that we see is that I begin to take control of my own life. Like if I, if, if I don't have a, a very large view of Christ, if I don't see Christ as more than enough, if I see him as just enough, I'll begin to take control of my own life. Verses 18 and 19, don't let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. Seen, excuse me. They are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. And then this is the phrase that is, uh, I pray for us that we would not ever experience this. Okay, if you want to like underline a line, underline this thing right here. It says they have lost connection with the head from whom the whole body supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews grows as God causes it to grow. Isn't it interesting how we can go through life and we feel like we're all alone? We're all by ourselves, that we're going through things by ourselves, and yet it was the, the simple fact that we lost connection with the head. It says that our support, it says that our growth, that we're actually held together by being connected to Jesus Christ, the head of the church. And so often we'll experience things in life simply because we begin to walk in our own wisdom and try to take control of our lives, and we end up in a place and we wonder, how did I get here? I never want us to experience that, church. I never want us to experience being disconnected from the head of the church. If we don't have a large enough view of Christ, we begin to think that we know better than he does. And I have been praying about this passage, and I have been praying over this message for uh, really nearly a month now. I was actually sitting next to Seth when I felt like the Lord kind of spoke to me on what I would preach about today and about this passage. And it, the, the thing that I felt like God wanted me to share is that Jesus is more than enough, but specifically, especially in our culture today, we like to have Jesus plus something else. Like, do we not? We, we get to just be enough of Jesus, but I'm going to add in a little bit of something else. Like, it may, be, it may be my career. It's Jesus and my career, and that's what gets me through this life. Or my family, my relationships, or, or all these hobbies or different things like that. Jesus needs nothing else. Jesus is more than enough. He is more than enough. Even when we were talking about Colossians, they're trying to, as, as I mentioned earlier, they're mixing in some Jewish tradition. They're, they're mixing in some local religious thought. 
They're mixing in some of their own stuff into their relationship with Jesus. And Paul is trying to get them to understand that Jesus needs none of that. Doesn't that sound familiar? A culture that cannot say there is one single truth out there. Does it not sound familiar to hear, yeah, you can have Jesus, but I'm going to live my own truth. And your truth can be yours, but I'm going to keep mine. Some people will say, Jesus is a good teacher, and he said good things. And so I'll take a piece of that, but I'm going to put it into what I already believe. Listen to me, church. Jesus is the way, the truth, and he is the life. He is not a way. He is not a truth. It is Jesus and him alone. God demands that we worship him and worship him alone. And my heart today is this. This is not your typical three-point New Life Church sermon. (laughs) Uh, This is not meant to be beautifully put together or eloquent of speech. The sole goal today that we have for the remainder of our time is I want to point you to Jesus. And I want you to leave this place in utter awe of his beauty and his majesty, because that's exactly why Paul wrote this. Uh, My dad is from France. Um, he was a foreign exchange student in Northside High School in Fort Smith, Arkansas, believe it or not. Like, I don't know how a kid gets from Paris to Fort Smith, Arkansas, but it happened, you know. Uh, and so uh, about a year ago, my dad became an American citizen, which is awesome. Uh, super proud of him. And uh, one of the things he did, he got his passport. And so for the first time in like 37 years this summer, he was able to go back home. Um, and his mom lives there, and he has a brother. His brother was seven the last time he saw him. He's like 43 now. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like a big difference, right? And so, but this idea of like French things, it's, it's been a part of my heritage growing up, you know, just I've kind of always been around the French culture. Uh, my dad makes really bomb crepes, to be honest with you. Like, you can be jealous. <laughs> They're so good. This summer, we got to take a trip to France. And uh, one of the days, my... my family lives in the countryside, but we got to go to Paris one day. And uh, we, we get off, like, a, we were, like, in a car off the train. We came out. We're walking down the street. My uncle tells me, he's like, hey, we're going to get around this couple of buildings, and you're going to be able to see the Eiffel Tower. I'm like, this is going to be awesome. You know, because this has been, like, a symbol of my, like, life growing up. It's, like, part of my heritage. It's part of my lineage. It's, it's this, like, iconic, you know, building, whatever you want to call it. It's been important to me. It's been something I've seen my whole life. We go up, and there's, like, this large flat area in between two buildings. And I turned the corner, and I got to see the Eiffel Tower. And I know for most of you to think, like, you would get emotional about saying something like this, it doesn't make sense to you. But I turned the corner, and I saw this thing that I had seen every single, like, for my entire life, I have seen this thing. And I could not believe what I was seeing. My mind, I was speechless. I'm never speechless. I've been speechless three times in my life. This is one of them. I turned the corner. And I saw how big the Eiffel Tower was and how sprawling it was. We actually got to walk down there, and I got to go up halfway, and you can see the entirety of Paris from this thing. It's incredible. I want you to have a moment like that today. I want you to be confronted with the reality of who Jesus is. And I want you to look at him with awe and reverence, and leave this place nearly speechless because you can't believe how good he is. That's Colossians 1, 15 
through 20. And so let's go to our passage again. The first thing that Paul does in verse 15 is this. He wants to set, before he says anything about Jesus, he wants to set his authority to begin with, okay? And this is wise because anytime you're going to make a claim, it's directly tied to credibility, okay? And so in verse 15, it says this, the son is the image of the invisible God. So when you read about Jesus, we we see like in the Old Testament, you can't come face to face with God. It's too much, too much to handle, too much glory, can't be that close. Face-to-face, can't do it. So what we're seeing is when we read the Gospels, we see that God in all of who he is, his character is on full display in Jesus Christ. He is the image. It's like we can see it, a God that we don't get to see. We see it in Jesus Christ. The, The Gospel of John confirms this. It says, no one has ever seen God, but but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Saying, he is God and he is the exact representation of him. We see it in John chapter 10, verse 30. I and the, I and the Father, I and the Father are one. Even in Hebrews chapter 1, it says that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. I love the image there. It says he's the exact representation of God. And this is where Paul begins. Because before he makes a claim about Jesus, he wants to set the credibility side. And we know this, okay? We experience this in life. I have a one-and-a-half-year-old son. His name is Bennett. Uh, his number one favorite word, ball. Number two, no. <laughs> okay, like, that's his second favorite word. And so, anytime you ask him a question, you already know the answer to it, right? It's like, hey, Benny, can you bring me the remote? No. Like, okay, cool. Uh, Bennett, can I have a kiss? No. Like, dude, come on. Then I'm like, Bennett, you want a snack? He's like, no. Oh, yes. <laughs> you know, like, you trick him because he just wants to say no, but he'll say no to everything, right? Listen, if I ask Bennett to do something, or really any of my kids, they can say no all they want. You know what, what's going to happen? They're going to do it, <laughs> one way or the other, because their no has no credibility. They have no authority in my house. They got no title. They got no position. And you know what? They ain't got no money. And so, like, <laughs> so like what they got to say, it don't mean a whole lot when they want to say no to me. Right? Let's look at the opposite version. I know a good friend of mine, Seth Holly, works for the police department. If I'm speeding and Seth pulls me over and I see that badge, that badge is all I got to know, right? Like when you see that, listen, you believe in the credibility of, of the police department so much that your heart starts racing before they even get out of the car, right? You, you ever been there? You got pulled over and then you're just like freaking out, adrenaline, sweat. It's like a really nasty thing to be a part of. When you see that badge, that's all you got to know. You know that that person has authority. He has credibility. And what he is about to say, it matters. <laughs> and I hope he's be good enough friend to let me off because I was speeding. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't know if you grew up in a household like this, but a lot of times you'll see this uh, in families where you see the credibility used. And it's uh, when your mom uses your government name. You know what I'm talking about? Yo, y'all been in a house like that? <laughs> okay? Nicholas, Guy, Burton. Get your butt in here. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, listen, you don't even got to know. You start, what, did I, what was it? What did I do? And then you, you even tell on yourself in those moments. Well, you're like, I'm so sorry I did this, this, and this. She's like, I don't know what you're talking about. But you did do this, right? It just, in one word, the, the credibility of the person who was saying it was all you needed to know that the claim was real. And it was right. And Paul does the same thing. 
He's saying, look, I'm going to tell you how Jesus rules over all creation. I'm going to tell you how Jesus is the head of the church. But the thing that you need to know before we even get there is that he is God. That he is God. And so we move on. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, we're going to pick up in the second half of that verse. It says that he's the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth. I love this because uh, I feel like Paul knows I'm not the smartest guy ever, okay? And so he goes, hey, Christ rules over all the things, and I'm going to tell you what they are, <laughs> right? He's like, let me give you a list of all of the things that Christ rules over so you don't get confused on what I'm trying to say here. He says he, he's, uh, the things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers, rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Gosh, that'd be a good time to say amen right there. <laughs> Notice two things. Number one, to make sure there's no confusion here, when it says that he's the firstborn of overall creation, this is not to say that he is a created being because he has existed for all time because he is God. We know that he is God, and so we don't have to wonder what firstborn means. In the Jewish culture, it would mean he has highest rank and priority. So it's saying right here, like overall creation, he has the highest rank, he has priority, he is supreme. And I love how all-encompassing Paul's description is. It says, by him or in him, through him, for him. God, Christ, is the initiator of all things because it's by him. It all started with him. He is also the sustainer of all things. He holds it all together. It is through him that all things are created and that they are all held together. And I love this last one because they're also all for him. It is for God's glory, all of creation. Romans 1, like all of creation testifies to the glory of God. Like we can look outside. I, I love Cliff was talking about the beautiful, he was praying for me this morning, and the beautiful fall morning we got going. Like you can walk outside and it testifies to the goodness of God. It's for his glory. All created things are by him, through him, and for him, and I love that, again, Paul leaves no, no confusion here. How many times did we see all things in this? <laughs> He's like, it's not some of the things. Four times in these three verses, Paul reminds us, it is all things. He is over all of them. Everything in heaven, on earth, visible and invisible. Thrones, powers, rulers, and authorities. They all bow to the name of Jesus. He is above them all. I read this quote by a, a man named, a pastor named N.T. Wright, and I thought it was so beautiful. It says, wherever you look and whatever realities you think of. So again, he's trying, to, he's trying to cover all the bases. He says, you discover entities which, even if they don't acknowledge the fact, owe their very existence to Christ. He's saying, even if you don't believe in God, there are people who don't have any acknowledgement of him. Guess what? You owe, your, you owe your existence to him as well. What a beautiful reality. 
that he is overall. And I, I want to add just a little bit, just an extra thought here, because there's this verse from Job 26 that I've always found so beautiful. And we see that everything in this passage, everything was created by God. He's, it was in him and through him and for him. Job 26 tells us this, says that all that we see in creation, and he gives this long list of things, it's but the outer fringe of God's power. Can you imagine that all of creation, all the universe, everything that you can see, everything that you can imagine is just a little bit of the power that God possesses? Like we're just barely beginning to touch God's power when we look around and see everything that we can see in creation. Can you imagine? Is it not unfathomable to think about how powerful God is? that even creation cannot even fully attest to how good and how great our God is. We continue in Colossians chapter 1, verses 18 through 20. We're going to be brief here. It says, He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. He's, he's reigning not over just the natural things of creation. He, he's also reigning over his house. God reigns over his people. He is the head. He is supreme. He is preeminent over his church. He's the head. He's the firstborn of the new creation of people who would put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And he is supreme because the finished work of the cross. No one else could overcome death. No one else could overcome the grave. He is more than enough and he is fully satisfied. A payment that you and I, that we deserved. For our sin. And so I want to I wanna close just with three brief thoughts. I want to bring this to, we, I hope so far that you understand how incredibly large <laughs> Christ is. Just overwhelmingly so. I, I want you to also understand why there's such a need that our, our culture and our flesh are always going to try to pull us to disconnect from him, to add things in with him, so that we don't rely and trust fully on him. But I want to speak to some specific things that you may be experiencing right now. And I just want to encourage you this morning with three thoughts. The first one is this. Jesus is more than enough for your past. Some of you in here, you're letting the enemy, because of mistakes and struggles and weaknesses that you've had in your past, you're allowing the enemy to keep you from walking in the things that God has for you. In essence, if we were to be really honest, and I'm from out of town, and I get to leave after this, so I'm going to say it anyways. When we live that way, you know what we're saying? Like, Jesus, you weren't enough. Like, yeah, you died for my sins, but, you know, this is still hanging with me. I've still made mistakes. You weren't. He's more than enough for your past. He gave his very life 
so that you could live in the life that he has for you and not in the, in the light of the past mistakes and failures that you have made. Does that mean we continue in those things? Paul says, by no means. We don't sin so that grace can abound. We're not trying to do, no, no. We get to walk in the free life that God has given us. We get to walk free of the weight and the burdens that have, we've carried around for so long that we were never meant to carry. I had a good spiritual father of mine say, your past isn't your past if it's affecting your future. I want you to know this morning, and I know it's hard, and I know it's difficult to carry the burdens of your past. I want you to know today that Jesus is more than enough. I also want you to know that maybe you're in here and you're going through a difficult situation or a circumstance in your life right now. It could be something like, like a, a major financial thing that you're going through. Maybe you're having some marital problems. Maybe you're bound up in an addiction. And you're experiencing real life right now. The second thing I want to encourage you today is that Jesus is more than enough for your present as well. And that doesn't mean that we don't feel real feelings. And it doesn't mean that it doesn't have a real effect on us. What I want you to know is that Jesus is with you and he will walk with you through it all. And that there's nothing in this world that can keep us from him. And I know it's hard. I do. None of us are free from the difficulties of this life. I'm sorry, if, you, if you're a follower of Christ, you thought you were going to be free of all the issues of this life. I'm so sorry, that's not true. But you have the biggest advantage of it all, is that you have somebody to walk with you through it. You have the hope that's found in Jesus Christ, not, in, not just in this life, but in a life to come. Which is the third thing I want to tell you is that Jesus is more than enough for my future. He's more than enough for my future. And uh, like I, actually back home, my, my pastor, he's preaching on end times this weekend. And uh, when we start thinking about that kind of stuff, right, when we see stuff happening in the world, do we not have some anxiety and some stress if we're not careful, some anxiety about what's happening in the world? We can see all the, all the things that are happening in this world and it can bring anxiety and it can bring stress, it can bring some unknown. You're in good hands. The victory is won. Jesus, he is more than enough for your future. Live this life not trying to escape what's going to happen, but engage with the people around you so that you can begin to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus with them. That the hope that you have in the future, you can share it with them. That's when I'm secure that Jesus is more than my future, I can really be intentional about the life that I live here until he calls us home. Amen.